0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I remember back the first time I met Pastor Daniel, we had a mutual friend in in the middle of America, told me about him, I was booking some speakers, and he said, Brian, you got to have this guy named Daniel Bracken come in, and uh, said he's a prophetic guy, you'll like him, he's a big guy, weightlifter, and and I'll tell you you guys, y'all will hit it off. And so I had him, and I brought him into Kentucky, and uh, he was coming down the hallway towards my office, and as soon as I saw him, the word of the Lord came to me me, and I started to prophesy the moment I saw Pastor Daniel, and this is the word of the Lord that came to me. It was, who are you, O mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become as a plain, and Daniel will bring up the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Come on, somebody say grace, grace to it. It was before, I think y'all hadn't even bought the property yet. Come on, Daniel looked at me and he said, that's my, that's one of my life verses. That's what I believe for. How many of y'all believe that we're going to bring up the capstone out there at that new property with shouts of grace, grace to it? Come on, give God a hand clap if you really believe it. We're going to bring up the capstone out there with shouts of grace, grace to it. We might as well bring it up today. Can I get an amen? Well, it's, it's uh, such an honor to minister to you, and I want to talk a little bit about honor today. I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus is worthy of all the honor, and I believe the church is worthy of honor. We're not just in any room right now. We're in a sacred space, because we've gathered here together, Now, I believe this. If God is our Father, then the church is our mother. Jesus said this, I will build my what? Church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The one thing that God is building on the earth today is He is building His church. And if we hook up with His church, as His church goes higher, I believe our life starts to go higher. Every good thing I've got in my life came to me via the conduit of the church of the living God. I walked into a church in 1998. I was a freebase meth junkie. I was hooked, addicted, messed up. I came into the house of God I heard the gospel the chains of addiction broke off of my life come on I got filled with the spirit I got called into the ministry I got my life back in the church I got my wife in the church Come on, finding someone to marry in the church is better than going to farmersonly.com. Can I get an amen? It's better than SingleAndReadyToMingle.com. Amen. Better than hottotrot.com or Tinder. Stay off of that. Amen. Find your spouse in the church of the living God. See, the church matters to me. I, I pastor one church, four locations. We have a couple locations in Kentucky and a couple in Texas. And during the lockdowns a couple of years ago, the Texas governor very early said hey you guys can have church we believe religious liberty counts come on that's enshrined in our first amendment our freedom of assembly and our freedom of religion and our freedom of speech we ought to give god a hand clap that we have that in america we ought to protect that at all costs so our 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 governor in texas he, he he stood up for that and our governor in Kentucky happens to be very liberal and was against the church almost every night. He got on a fireside chat and said, the church is killing people, and the church is a super spreading rat, and the church is evil, and went as far to send state troopers, a little bitty country Baptist churches to take down our grandmother's license plate numbers like we're Gestapo or brown shirts or some of Chairman Mal's henchmen. and. Um, in Kentucky We decided to give eggs to some kids on Easter in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I got a call from the health department, and they said, if you give those eggs away, we're going to close your church down. And whenever I got that call, something busted on the inside of me. I blew a fuse that you cannot find a replacement for. How many of y'all have ever had one of those moments where it's like, I will never be the same again? And I called all of the media. I called the governor's office. I called everybody we could call. I said, I'm going to have a communion, service. I'm passing out elements. I'm touching eyeballs in the name of Jesus. We're going to have church. And if y'all want to arrest me, come and take it. You can come and get some, right? Because we're going to have church. I believe this with all of my heart. Politicians don't tell prophets what to do. I said politicians don't tell prophets what to do. But prophets tell politicians what to do if you read the book. And a godly politician will listen to the prophetic voice and the Scripture. That's what we need again in America. So we ran that Sunday, and and there was an honest reporter. There's like three of them left in the world, right, that aren't aren't bought out. But one of the three was there, and he wrote a positive article. He said, this guy's not crazy. He just cares about his constitutional rights. That article went out. Fox News picked it up. Newsmax picked it up. I don't know. I did thousands of interviews around the world. We did a back-to-church. Sunday, where 5,000 churches opened up against governors' unconstitutional mandates. Come on, they opened up the church. We said we'll never close the doors again. Come on, the church is worth standing for, the church is worth fighting for, the church is worth fasting for, the church is worth giving for. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor, tell them you're in a sacred space. Just tell them that. It's why it's so important that we build what we're called to build as KC. Right, right there on the corner of this city, you roll into this town, I'm telling you that new building, it's a city set upon a hill, and it's a prophetic guidepost for Wasilla. Now I believe this, I believe the moment we dedicate that building to the glory of God, something's going to happen in the spirit over this city. I believe the environment's going to change. The economy is going to change. Can I get an amen? Something's going to break in the heavenlies, and I'll tell you, it's going to be because of the prayers of the saints. And I know a building is just a building, but whenever we take it over, it becomes a sacred space. Right there when people drive in, people are sight people. We're faith people. But sight people will see a symbol of the goodness and mercy of God right here coming into this city. And it's going to be because of each and every one of you did your part. Come on, if we all do our part, this thing will be easy. Can I get an amen? I said if we all do our part, this thing will be easy. Can I get an amen? I said if we all do our part, this thing will be easy. Can I get an amen? I said if we all do our part, this thing will be easy. Can I get an amen? See, what I'm talking about is honoring the house of God. We teach our children to honor. In our church, we have this saying, we, we got it from somebody else, uh, but I pretend like I made it up because it's really good now, right? And they're, they're not around, but that is we honor up. We honor those who are uh, over us or, or under, we're under their authority in the Lord, right? We honor up. Never Dr. Morocco shows up, I honor him, right? He's the old boss. I know he's the boss when he walks in the room, right? It's like, it's like the, the gospel godfather is here, man. And uh, I honor Doc. I honor up. So then we say we honor down. We honor those. Whenever you're leading people, you better honor the people you get the opportunity to lead. Right? You're, you're here to serve them. So we honor up, we honor down. If you've been given the opportunity to lead people, it's a gift from God. Use it wisely. So we say honor up, honor down. Then we honor all the way around. We honor our peers. Amen? They, those that are, that are locked arms with us in life. And if we're people of honor, God blesses that. I believe this. If we sow honor, we'll reap favor. Come on, let's say that out loud. If I sow honor... I'll reap favor. Let's say it again. If I sow honor, I'll reap favor. Man, God's blessed me. I, I've met the leaders of the largest church, churches in the world. I've met some of the largest political leaders in the world, some of the largest business people in the world. And I'm from a 2,000-person defunct coal mining town in western Kentucky. People will say, Brian, how do you have all these connections? I say it's simple. When you honor people, God opens up doors with you. You know, the Bible says that your gift will make room for you set you before great men, right? We preach that a lot of times like it's your gift of worship or your gift of preaching or your gift of playing an anointed kazoo, right? The anointing comes on you and you can play a kazoo like nobody else and that kazoo will open up a gift and you'll meet presidents. But in the original language, it's not talking about your giftedness. It's talking about a gift you give. It's a gift of honor, right? Being a person of honor brings favor to your life. When I think about a man of honor that God elevated and brought great favor to, I can't help but think about King David. Now I'm a student of King David and I love David. I love the fact that God brought this shepherd boy from being the least of his household who his father passed by. Think about it, the prophet knew that the next king was coming out of David's dad's house. David's father, his name was Jesse. And uh, the prophet says, Hey, Jesse, I want you to get ready. We'll have a banquet tomorrow. I'm gonna prophesy one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And they bring out all the good looking boys, right? All of them. The tall boys there, the good looking one. Prophet walks up to the first boy, looks at him, says, The gods rejected him. Now, he didn't reject him as a human, but he rejected him as king. How many know we can't all be king? Because then we'd all be telling each other what to do all the time. Everybody in my house thinks they're a king, all five of us. And we fight for the throne. There's a continual battle for the throne in my household. And I'll tell you, I'm going to win in Jesus' name, Bradley, right there. I'm going to win. But, but everybody can't be king. So he goes to the next kid. He's not king. Next kid, he's not king. All the way down, and there's nobody there. And the prophet turns around and looks at Jesse and says to Jesse, are all your sons at the sacrifice? And it wasn't a question. It was a prophetic indictment. So the prophet already knew. And Jesse, I bet you could have heard a pin drop. Because when the prophet tells you to do something in the Old Testament, you know what you do? You do what the prophet says. You don't do what the prophet says. You make fun of the prophet's she-bears come out of the woods and eat you, Right? The, the ground opens up. Some people want a healing anointing, a prophetic anointing. I want a she-bear anointing. You mess with me, she-bears eat you, right? She-bears on you in Jesus' name, right? That'll straighten up some church trouble. And uh, so, so, so he goes all the way down. He knows he's not there. The prophet says nobody sets down till that boy gets here. So everybody had to stand at attention. Prophets ticked off while they go and get David. They bring David in. He breaks that flask of oil, starts pouring it on David's head. Thus saith the Lord, you'll be the next king of Israel. Now we put a little oil on him. We got towels to dab it off now. But I got some prophetic friends that'll cover you with oil. Uh, I got a buddy preaches for me, preaches on Kings Maui, his name's Gustavo Paez. And uh, he'll preach for me in like a month right now, but he called me out first time I saw him in Louisville. And I'll tell you, there's a sale every year in Louisville on Hickey Freeman sports coats. These are like $2,000 sports coats, okay? And when the sale comes around, you can get them for like $200. Does anybody like a deal out there, man? I like a deal. Now, I just bought these brand new Hickey Freeman sports coat. And I was looking good. All the other preachers, none of them looked as good as me, man. I had my new duds on. I was was rocking it. The prophet calls me out. He's got a whole bottle of oil he's like, I got a word for you. And I'm like, Jesus, I want that word, but please protect my new sports coat. I I plead the blood over this sports coat. I I say Psalms 91. I, I say angels hold up this sports coat. Let's say dash their foot against the stone. So the prophet comes to me with the oil, and I bend over to get my head at the right angle where it won't get on my coat, right? So the oil will come off, and he prophesies over me and covers me with oil, and my sports coat didn't get a drop on it. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap for him protecting my Hickey Freeman sports Amen. So, listen. David gets prophesied over, but I'll tell you, he doesn't become king next day. He's got to sow honor, and as he sows honor, sows honor little by little, bit by bit, he reaps favor. One of the first places I see David getting honor from God is David receives that honor when he learns to worship the Lord and to play music. The Bible says this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, talking about Saul and David. So it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. David became such a worshiper he had such an anointing. The king Saul became vexed by the devil and acted really bipolar and crazy and would have all these fits and could not find peace. And they said, Find us somebody who can pr- play, really play the harp. David, as a young boy, got his hands on a harp somewhere. I don't know if it was at a pawn shop or if he won in a poker game or I don't know how he got a hold of this, this harp, but he got one. And you know, how many of y'all had some kids that learned to play some instruments? that drove you crazy while they were learning. All those parents ought to get a hand clap for putting up with that, amen? God bless you, everyone. David learned to play that harp. Think about the worship David gave to God. Think about the Psalms that David wrote. Think about him out there by himself with that harp, watching his father's flock. Think about him writing the most important piece of poetry that's ever been written, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I I will dwell. I will dwell. I will dwell. I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, what a piece of anointed poetry written at the hand of David. David had that kind of honor and worship. And as he sowed that kind of honor, I'm telling you, you you can't keep God away from a worshiper. I said you can't keep God away from a worshiper. I said you can't keep God away from a worshiper you can't keep a worshiper away from God. Man, God so honored David, and David so honored God. Whenever David became king, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant's the very throne of God. It had been taken outside of the city. People forgot about it, just left it out there. David went to get it one day because you can't keep the presence of God away from a man who honors God. David goes out there, he gets the ark, he gets it the wrong way the first time, puts it on a cart, he's got a couple of guys driving it with oxen, those oxen stumble, they reach up, touch the ark of the covenant, no man was supposed to touch it, two guys drop dead. How many know that'll stop your church service whenever a couple guys hit the ground, right? They're dead. David's like, what am I going to do? And he leaves the ark at a guy's house by the name of Obed Edom. The Bible records that the Ark of the Covenant was at Obed Edom's house for three months. And it says, and the Lord blessed everything that Obed had. Can you imagine having the literal Ark of the Covenant in your living room? Right. Some of your... Buddies have pretty cool conversation pieces. They're like, hey, have you seen my new car or Let's go out in my garage? This is a Cuda and this is, this is what you know. the bandit drove and Smokey and the bandit, and you could take them back in your living room and you'd be like, well, you may have a Cuda and you may have Smokey and the bandit, that TA, but do you have the throne of the living God in your living room? Because I do, right? I got the throne of the living God here. Now, but when, when Obed-Edom walked by, do you think you could feel some power? in that living room? You gotta tell the children, don't touch that thing, it'll kill you, don't touch it. Keep your hands off my ark, right? The Bible says that everything he had, that's what the presence of God will do in your life. Come on, church, it'll come into your life, and it'll bless everything you have. Everything will change. I'm telling you, some of you, everything's gonna change in the next 18 months. Because the presence of God is coming to your house in a new way. I'm telling you, your life's going to be so different, your friends won't even recognize you anymore. It changes things. Obed had trouble in his marriage. That ark showed up first day he walked in. He heard a Marvin Gaye album playing in his his, his Let's Get It On was playing right there, right? His marriage gets restored when the presence shows up. He had some kids that were driving him crazy. His son had grown a mullet. You know, business in the front, party in the back. My son's got a mullet right now. I'm thinking about growing one. You know, pastor here's from Oklahoma. The mullet never went out in Oklahoma. It's been solid from 1980 till now. You're in style with that thing out there, amen? And uh, his kid's got a haircut. Come on, they they quit getting stoned, started going to youth, got saved, got filled with the Spirit, got on fire for God, started winning their friends to the Lord. Obed's children had revival in their life. I declare we got revival in our teenagers' lives in KC. I declare none of our kids will give another day to the devil. Can I get an amen? I'll tell you, he had a hard time in business, Obed did. Gas was over $5. Inflation was wide open. Right? Our trade agreements with China were terrible. Obed said, I can't make it like this. You know what God did? God blessed Obed. I'll tell you what, businessmen, businesswomen, everybody under the sound of my voice, our blessing does not only attach to the American economy. We're a part of a different system. We're a part of the kingdom system. Come on, we're not of the world, we're of the word. And this world can fall apart. God can still bless you. Amen? So Obed gets blessed. Finally, David comes because he's a man of honor. He brings the Ark of the Covenant. He takes it and sets it up in the midst of Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. He had an open tent up there where people would sing praises to God, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In the book of Acts, God said it was his favorite temple that was ever built. No matter where you went in Jerusalem, at night it could be midnight. You could be standing in the Kidron Valley. You could look up and see the glow off the ark and the people praising God. David sowed honor to God. Because of it, he reaped favor in his life. See, David learned to sow honor. His father did a lot of things wrong, but he taught him a few things right. Now, a lot of scholars believe that David was potentially the illegitimate child of one of Jesse's affairs. And if you look at Jesse's Other sons, David's brothers, they hated him. David wrote things like this in the Psalms. He said, I was born in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. David wrote things like this. Though my father and mother forsake me, my God will be for me. There was something amiss in David's family. And David never got that straightened out. David's biggest mess-ups were with family. Again and again and again, he messed up with his family. It's the saddest part of David's story. But David did learn some good things from his father. Jesse sent him out when David was a kid. There was a battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites, and it was happening up north of Jerusalem. I've been up there before. The area sets up like an arena. There are two mountain ridges that run parallel with what looks like a massive field between them. Down in the midst of that field, there's a small brook. It's where David got his five smooth stones to go against Goliath. For 40 days, this giant had come out before Israel and threatened their people, nine feet tall by the name of Goliath, said, give me a man to fight. If I defeat your man, you serve us. If your man defeats me, we serve you. No guy would go out and fight him. David was sent to bring a gift of honor to the captain of Israel. How many of you think it'd be smart if wars broke out to give a little gift to the guy in charge of the military? Can I get an amen? Pretty smart from Jesse. He takes wine, he takes cheese, he takes bread down there. And when he gets down there, David sees this fight. And they say, according to war culture, that that giant would come out every day. You know what they did back then? And he would moon and expose himself to to his enemy. How many know your your neighbor gets up and calls you some names? That's all right. But after 40 days of you mooning me, there's going to be some gunfights going on on our property. Can I get an amen? David goes down and sees what happens, and he says, is there not a cause? You know the story. That young man nothing but a sling and some stones. Walks out to a giant. The rest of the world says he's too big to fight. David says he's too big to miss. David took that sling, let go of that stone. They tell me that it could have come off like a 45 caliber pistol. Hits the giant in the head, the giant goes down. David gets his sword off of his side, cuts his head off, picks up that head. I believe he screams out loud, drunk on blood and victory. And the scripture says he carries it back with him to the Jebusite stronghold. You cut the head off of a giant, you gotta take that head with you. Can I get an amen? If I got the head of a giant, I'd put it on my rearview mirror like some fuzzy dice or something like that. I'd want the world to see it, right? But on that one day, Jesse sends him to bring a gift. It opens up a doorway for David to be known all over Israel. They start singing songs about David. Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. Jesse showed him how to sow honor, and David reaps national uh, favor on that day. Come on, if we sow honor, we reap favor. Let's say that out loud. If I sow honor, I reap favor. You know, David made some big mistakes as a king. Made a big mistake with Bathsheba. Made a big mistake once by numbering his military. The kings were told by God, you're not to count the people in your military. The temptation would be to trust your military over trusting your God to take on opposing armies. And David broke the law of God and he numbered his people. Now in church we count people. And we count people because people count, right? Jesus left the 99 to find the one. How did he know the one was gone? He counted them. And in church, we want our numbers to be better. If you're pregnant, we count you three times in case you have twins in your belly, right? It gets our numbers just a little bit higher, right? Or our, our triplets, right? We just keep counting you. But, but David messes up. When he messes up, a plague came through Israel because of his sin. People are dropping like flies. They're dying everywhere. David knows he's got to do something, he's got to, he's got to sacrifice and repent before God to stop this. And he goes to a, a guy's place by the name of Arunah, and Arunah was an opposing king. Both David and Arunah are both billionaires at this point in your life. And Arunah comes riding up with his men, David rides up with his men, and they say to David, David, what are you doing here? And he said, I've come to make sacrifice to the Lord at this threshing floor. And he says, I want to make sacrifice. Arunah says, take whatever I have. What's money between you and I? Just take it, David. Take stuff for the sacrifice. Take the ground. I give it to you. David answers Arunah with this famous statement. He says, no, I'll buy it all from you because I will not give the Lord an offering that costs me nothing. See, David was such a man of honor He knew to sacrifice to the Lord, it has to cost you something. Come on, a faith gift ought to hurt. Can I get an amen out there? How many of y'all have ever given a gift that made you want to throw up on your way home, right? That's when you've gotten into real faith giving. There's been times I've sold vehicles to give. I've sold properties to give. I've gotten rid of crypto so I could give bigger. You know, Dr. Morocco challenged me a long time ago said Brian you know what he'll ask me every time he sees me he'll ask me how much I'm praying he'll ask me how much I gave this year was it more than last year and he challenged me to believe God to give a thousand bucks a week now I don't make that kind of money but I took that challenge I'm believing God Three years ago, four years ago, I started that. First year, by the grace of God, we hit it that year, and we were able to do that. Doc did it when he was my age. I said, if Doc can do it, I can do it. Right now, we've got four campuses. Doc has 500. I'm going to get the other 496 campuses, because if Doc can do it, I can do it. Doc, I'm coming after you in Jesus' name. I tell him every time I see him. Listen, if we're going to give, we better give sacrificially. We got a project that we need to get done together as a team. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all want to see the capstone up there with shouts of grace, grace to it? We want to see that. I believe if we get sacrificial, God will do it. See David sowed honor. He reaped favor. He sacrificed before the Lord and that plague was stopped. Now David's biggest moment of honor to God was one night he's hanging out in his house. David's already kind of made it at this point in life. He's literally a billionaire. He's living in the city of David, took it away from the Jebusites. He's got a fat house, he's got paneled walls, he's got an 80-inch TV, got the infinity pull out back, he's got the hot tub, he's sitting in the massage chair, he's smoking Cubans in there. Don't smoke, but if you're gonna smoke, smoke Cubans. That's all I got to say. He's eating caviar, he's got the best beef, right? That, that Asian beef that sometimes down in Dallas, there's a steakhouse called Nick and Sam's. And it's got a different name. There's beef down there. Doesn't cost $300 a steak. It's $300 bucks an ounce. David's eating the $300 buck an ounce steak. Now, I'm from the cattle industry, and I don't eat it because uh, it's a ripoff, but somebody does. There's a sucker born every day. Can I get an amen, right? David's eating all that. He's living high on the hog. And all of a sudden, a thought comes through the king's house in his head. And he says, wait a minute. Here I am, living in a paneled house. Here I am, getting my grande pinkity-drinkity every day, right? Here I am, going on my vacations again and again. Here I am with my new car. Here I am with my new ATV. Here I am with my five new guns. Alaska, amen. Here here I am with my next house, with my next whatever. David said, here I am in my paneled house, but the Ark of the Covenant's up there in a tent. And he says, this just isn't right. How many know it's not right for the house of God to sit unfinished? It's not right for the presence of God to be in a tent while we're living large. Can I get an amen out there, church folk? How many of y'all wanna see the church taken care of? Let's give God a hand clap. We love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, David goes down to the prophet at night. He's all pumped up, he's got an idea. We're gonna build the greatest temple that's ever been built. He goes down and he tells the prophet, prophet, we're gonna build the greatest temple that's ever been built. The prophet looks up at him and he gets it wrong the first time. Sometimes prophetic people are wrong. I think the greatest prophets on the earth batted about 90%, I'm telling you. So have grace and mercy on them. Love the gift, but remember it's in a human package. Can I get an amen? And so the prophet tells him, yeah, we ought to build that. Then David goes back to his house. The prophet's laying there. God rebukes the prophet. says, you just told David the wrong thing. David can't build the house of God because he's got blood on his hands. Now, a lot of people think David couldn't build the house of God because he'd been a a soldier and a man of war and had shed blood for Israel, but that's not true. We got a lot of people under the sound of my voice. You're servicemen, servicewomen. You were officers. Some of you had to shed blood for the protection of our nation. That's not what they're talking about. Listen, it's an honorable thing for you to do what none of us wanted to do so that we could have peace. We thank you. We applaud you. Come on. We are for you. God is not mad at you. You're an instrument of peace in that right. That the reason David couldn't build the temple was not because he killed. The reason David couldn't build the temple was because he murdered. There's a difference between killing and murder. He killed on the battlefield for Israel, but he murdered Uriah for his wife Bathsheba. Where it says, thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments, a better translation would be thou shalt not murder. Now I've got church campuses in uh, Amarillo But you know, the school shooting that just happened in Uvalde, Texas, kid goes in, shoots like over 70 kids, 40 some odd died, right? Police are on the scene very quickly. For some reason, law enforcement stayed outside for 45 minutes while there's an active shooter in our schoolhouse. Every one of those men needs to give an account and answer for every one of those kids that was shot after they were on the site. And whoever made that call ought to lose their job and probably their head. Makes no sense whatsoever. So the guy that's shooting in there, that school shooter, he's a murderer. He's murdering those kids. There was a guy who was a border patrol officer whose wife and daughter happen to be in there. He's at a barber shop. He finds out about the shooting. He asks the barber, do you have a piece here? And the guy says, yeah, I got a piece. He takes his gun, he gets around law enforcement. Law enforcement was turning around parents trying to go in and get their children. And he goes in with that piece and he shoots and kills that murderer. Now the guy, the, yeah, you ought to give him a hand clap. He wasn't a murderer. He killed to protect life. There's a difference between killing and murder. Sometimes killing is justifiable, murder never is justified. David couldn't build the temple because he was a murderer. And David gets told that by the prophet. Can you imagine that being your job? You gotta go up and tell the most powerful man in the world, you can't build a temple because you murdered Uriah because you took his wife Bathsheba. Whenever David hears no from God, you know what most people do when we hear no? Does anybody out there like no? I hate no, right? No's a test. Most of the time, if you tell somebody no, they take their bowl and they're going home. You tell them no in church, we're not going to do that. They say, suddenly, pastor, I feel led to join the Methodist church. I just, I feel the leading of the Lord over to the Baptist church. You know, they got to move a God over there. I'm moving to Holy Mackerel Tabernacle. I feel God, God sending me over there, pastor, right? Well, because they were told no. And David's told no, and he takes it. So big of him. He says, yeah, I messed up. I did something terrible. David says, maybe I can't build the temple. Maybe I can't build it because of what I've done. But if I can't build it, maybe, just maybe, I can buy some of it for the glory of God. David says, if I can't build it, I'll buy it. And the rest of David's life, he starts laying up an offering to build the temple of God. And he puts back money, and he puts back gold, and he puts back silver. And he starts getting it together so the next generation can build the temple of God. I want to show you this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I'm going to close with this, this part of Scripture. Verse 1, David calls together all of the choice families of Israel. These are guys that have been fighting with him. They're part of his army. There is his mighty men. There is his cabinet. These guys are all, all made it at this point in life. He calls them together. Verse 1, it says this. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. Sometimes you need someone young and inexperienced to do some stuff. Sometimes we get old enough we think we know it all. Can I get an amen? You know, once upon a time, our church was one of the fastest growing churches in America. They put us on a magazine, our face on a magazine, because of it. It was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I thought I was a genius and I was still an idiot, right? I knew something all of a sudden. But when you're young and inexperienced, God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. says, the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, uh, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God. I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold. Of the gold of Ophar, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day for the Lord? David steps up, calls all these men together, says it's, we're going to put together an offering for the next generation to build a temple. Maybe we can't build it, but we can buy it. I don't know if he's got a little model of what the temple will look like there. Calls all those families together. Might have pledge cards or something like that. He says, listen, we're going to build the house of God. I can't build it, but God chose my son to. Now I'm ready, I brought my gift today. He starts telling him, I brought gold, I brought silver, I brought jewels. You know, scholars tell me that David's offering that he brought for the house of God that day was $1.3 billion. How many all would like to give a $1.3 billion offering for the glory of God? Come on, how many all like to see some billionaires raised up in K.C. Wasilla? Come on, we ought to give God a hand clap for that. Here I am, Lord, send me, amen? If God made me a billionaire, I wouldn't even try to microchip the world like the evil billionaires we got out there now, right? I'd, I'd leave you all alone, let you live your lives. At 1.3 billion, David says, I'm going to give my 1.3 billion, then he looks at all these guys. And he laid up money out of the treasury of Israel as well. Then he looks at the rest of them and he says, who now will consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? You know, when we give together to build the house of God, it's something that's consecrated. It's something that's sacred. It's something that's holy. It's something that's special in the eyes of the Lord. We can sow Honor this way. Now, I'll tell you what, when we sow honor, we'll reap favor. You know, your pastor just gave the biggest gift he's ever given to this project up there on the hill. How many of y'all are thankful we got a pastor that leads with his money and not just his mouth? Come on, we ought to give them a hand clap. I've had times with projects like this that I've almost given everything I've had away. I tell you, Doc Morocco. You're a your, your senior leader. I think he's given away everything he owned, like, is it three times? Houses, assets, everything he had down to nothing. Gave it away for the glory of God. Now I'll tell you, God's always blessed him. Because whenever you sow honor, you're going to reap favor. Can I get an amen? I'm thinking about projects like this. Man, I, I got a guy in our church. At the time, his, his annual salary was about 35000 we were taking up a faith offering to buy a building, or I don't know, we're building another campus. We do one a year, do a special project every year. And he, I knew what he made. He made like 35,000. He gave like $20,000 in this faith offering. And it was one of the largest offerings I've ever seen. I've seen quarter million dollar checks. I've, I've seen all of that, but that, that $20,000, I'm telling you, when I saw it, I wept. And in the natural, you want to go to him and you're like, are you sure you want to do this? It's going to be tough. And he did it. And I'll tell you what God did for him. God has now doubled and tripled his salary and put him at the head of what he's doing. He's now in charge, the head and not the tail. Come on. whatever you sow honor, you're going to reap favor. So listen, every gift matters. You got the widow's mite, right? Jesus is taking an offering one day. He's sitting and looking in the bucket at what people gives, give. Give. How many would that make you nervous if if this, you know, we take up this offering, if I look at your name and your amount, every person that brings it, look you in the eye, right? That's, that's weird. People are like, we want our pastor to be more like Jesus. I'm like, no, you don't. If I were any more like Jesus, you would crucify me, right? You would, you would kill me for stuff like that. And um, finally he pulls out a, a widow's mite. It's like next to nothing. And he looks at it and he says, this woman. She's given more than all of these fat cats. She gave out of her poverty, out of her necessity. They gave out of their abundance. So there's a single mom out here, a hundred dollar gift is massive for you. But then there's the guy that's made or the girl that's made. And sometimes I've seen them use the widow's might to excuse themselves and do less than what they're called to do. I've watched them create what I call a tithe shelter. You heard of tax shelters? I've watched as wealthy men become more wealthy. A lot of times they'll form a business, and they'll leave all their profit in their business. And they'll live off the business expense accounts. And they'll pay themselves a small salary. And then they'll tithe off the small salary and leave all the money in the business. And I know you got to leave so much powder in the keg, but I'm telling you, they do it, and it becomes a tithe shelter. Why do you think God gave you that business? Did he give you that business to sit on it, or did he give you that business to be a blessing to the kingdom of God? Amen? Listen, my dad started a little cattle brokerage small town in Kentucky, couldn't afford a bookkeeper, so my mother was his bookkeeper. My dad was not born again, my mother was. She went to First Baptist Church in Providence, Kentucky. She started tithing and giving offerings out of dad's business. Dad saw how much money she was given, and he said, you can't give money to that church anymore. You're giving too much money. She looked at my dad and said, listen, if you want to rob God, I will not be your accomplice. If you want to rob God, you do it yourself. I resign as your bookkeeper. You're on your own, Bubba. My mother was stronger than moonshine, still is to this day. She quit him. You know, my dad was a partier back in the day, and he stayed out. She said, If you're not home by 11, I'm burning all your clothing. He stayed out till midnight. He arrived. Every bit of his clothing was on fire in the front yard. That's my mom. She's tough. When I I was a kid, I was a cokehead and crankhead, and Kind of connected with some of the biggest coke dealers in western Kentucky. My mom went to them when she found out I was buying coke from them, told them, if you sell my boy any more cocaine, I'm going to have you whacked. And they believed her. She was his babysitter growing up. She was going to kill him anyway, right? And so I'd go over there to buy coke after that, and he's like, No way, I'm selling you coke. Annigale Gibson has the power to have me killed, right? So I had to drive like 100 miles to buy cocaine all throughout the 90s. I, I put all kinds of miles on a car because of my mother. How many of y'all are thankful for some mothers that care about their children and will fight for what's theirs? Amen? Nobody like mama. So finally, my dad got tired of keeping his books said, listen, if you'll take it back, give whatever you want to give. And God jumped over him to get to that tithing mother, started increasing that business. That little cattle brokerage became the largest cattle brokerage in the world because there was a tither involved in the midst of it. Come on, God will jump over the wrong people to get to the right people. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Later, my dad got born again. Listen, when my, my dad passed away, my mom sold out of that business. And that business that had been a blessing for so many years was gone in a year, because if the tither's gone, why would you bless it? So listen, the widow's mite, what you give matters, right? The king, the fat cat, and the, the, the lady that's made it, what you gives, give matters. Everybody in the middle, which is most of us, what we give, it matters. And I don't know what a sacrificial gift is, but, but I'll tell you, it's larger than you think it is. I think there's some people that could write some $100,000 checks out there. I think there may be some people that could write something larger. I think there's quite a few people that can write twenty and $10,000 checks. I think there's fives now. Listen, all the money we have next year, $100,000 is probably going to be worth $50,000 in America anyway. You might as well use it now before inflation takes it all, right? Use it for the glory of God. So they've been printed as fast as they can. Listen. I'd rather sow honor and reap favor than hold on to paper that might be worth nothing in just a few years. I'd rather trust in an eternal kingdom than one that's falling away. Can I get an amen out there? Here's what I want us to do. I want to ask you who will sanctify themselves with us and give to the glory of God. Come on, I believe we can build a church that the next generation and the generation after that, they have and they see the work of faith right here in Wasilla, Alaska. The ushers would bring everybody an envelope. We're going to give to God today. Come on, how many are excited about giving something to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? We're going to sow some honor, and we're going to reap favor. And what I want you to do is I want you to get a sacrificial gift. We need like 1.4, right under 1.4 million dollars to take occupancy of that building. That'll get us where we need to go in and to be able to have church in that house. Now I'll tell you, when you open up that building, it's gonna be insane in there, right? I'm, I'm, I may try to get up here for that. That's, that's incredible. I don't, I don't travel much anymore. I'm busy enough at my churches. I, I come to King's campuses because y'all are like family to me. And I got one other friend. I get invited everywhere, I tell them no. But I love you guys, I'll come up here got friends that say we can get T.D. Jakes to come preach for us, but you won't come. I'm like, yeah, well, you're not King's and you're not his church, and I I go where my friends are. And uh, I'll tell you, I want everybody to get an envelope, and I want you to give a sacrificial gift. I want you to pray first. What would God have me do? You know, if if, if 300 people gave 5,000, it'd be done, right? Ten people gave a hundred grand and everybody else gave what they could give. It'd be done. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. God knows how. It comes down to everybody doing their part. Great churches aren't built off the giving of a few. They're built off the sacrifices of many. The sacrifices of many. Make it sacrificial. I want everybody to get an envelope. I want everybody to do something. And I want you to Over the next two or three weeks, I want you to come up with a number just over the next couple of weeks that I'm going to give to the work of God, to the work of God. I want to see 1.4 million come in, right? I want to see us in that building. I want to see the miracle. I want to tell the story to our grandchildren. Amen. So up at the top of that envelope, I want you to circle the number you're going to give just over the next few weeks. Now I want you to give, if you can give it today, give it all today, because so we, need, we need the cash now, right? Listen, I'll unashamedly receive money for church houses and missionaries. I don't, I don't care, right? People are like, how can you do that? I'm like, I love to do that, right? I love to see the house built, and I love to see people stretched. God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. He's trying to get a blessing to you a favor and honor and, and peace and joy, trying to break that spirit of mammon off our life, trying to change us. Giving changes you. More blessed to give than it is to receive. So come on, we're going we're gonna to write that out. Get your offering ready. Some of you want to give, y'all can put the ways to give online in case they want a text to give or give some other way, you can put it on the screen. We're going to give something supernatural, and I'll tell you the blessing of God's going to run you down, going to run you down so supernaturally. You know how many people in my church, faith giving, thinking about a kid 26 years old in our Amarillo campus started really faith giving a couple of years ago. He was making like 50 grand a year driving a truck. Remember he gave a $20,000 faith gift. I don't know how he got it or what he did, but he gave a 20 grand faith gift. God gave him another job. He's on track to make 350,000 right now this year. God's more than sevenfold on his on his annual income. Yeah, somebody ought to give God a hand clap. You like to see something like that happen. I've seen it. And sometimes, you know what, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it takes time. But if you're faithful, little by little, bit by bit, God increases you. Little by little, bit by bit, God will increase you. Once you get that written, what you're going to give today, man, I just see some supernatural stuff happening. Listen, I I see some reconciliation coming for several different families families that are that are split apart busted up there's weirdness there's awkward stuff you don't talk to this one this one doesn't talk to this one i see god mending and fixing some of that and it's not going to be perfect but it's going to be possible god's going to do a lot of that in this this congregation i believe that i want to pray over the giving once you get it ready i want us to come and worship god with it all right i want us to walk up out of our seat we're gonna sow honor we're gonna reap favor. We're gonna drop it right here at the altar together as a church. Let me pray, and we'll come and bring it. You may want to hold that up to the Lord, Father. I thank you. I thank you for the people under the sound of my voice. Today we declare we sow honor. Now I declare we reap favor, Father. We thank you for what you've given us. We bring it back to you. We say it all belongs to Jesus. It all belongs to Jesus, Father. Bless these people. I thank you that you stretch our faith in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen.
1: had a moment to give. Sometimes it takes me a while to fill things out. Give you just one more moment here. Wow, what a great word. Thank you, Pastor Brian for such a tremendous word. Thank you. Wow. Fantastic. Usher's going to go ahead and take that and Get it where it needs to go. Thank you so much for serving in the house today. We don't want to close out a time of gathering together to to worship without making sure everyone's had an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Be made right with God. Have your sins forgiven. have Jesus come into your life. We're going to do that today. If you need to receive Jesus, whether it's for the first time that you've invited Jesus to come live in your life or... Maybe you need to come back to God. Maybe you've made some decisions. You want to make it right with God today. I'm going to invite you to pray with me this afternoon. Those of you that are online, wherever you might be, I'm going to invite you to pray right out loud. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? I'm going to invite you to pray this simple prayer, acknowledging what Jesus has done for you, inviting Him to come into your life, repenting of your sin, turning away. Come on, let's pray together. Say it right out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive today what Jesus did for me. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead so I could have my sins forgiven and have eternal life. Forgive me of my sin. I turn away from it and I'm going to follow you For the rest of my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for loving me and hearing my prayer. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's Word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska Podcast. God
0: bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may
1: God's face shine upon you and give you peace.